Welcome to Downton. Hello there. Emma speaking. Welcome to Shall We Go Through, the Downton Abbey fan podcast. What? 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 Hi guys. I hope you're all doing well. Well, for now, because maybe you will not feel that well after this episode. Because this episode is really heartbreaking. I feel like this is almost, it's not even, well, it's heartbreaking, but like it's so revolting. You know, like Sybil's death was really heartbreaking. Like I'm still not over that. Matthew's death was also heartbreaking. But this, I am pissed at Julian, really, because this is just the beginning of a long storyline that sometimes I don't even think it makes sense. And it's so cruel. And yeah, I mean, yeah. But I hope you're doing well, you know. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, by the way, um, if you celebrate Thanksgiving. Well, in the US, because in Canada, it was like a long time ago. But anyway, if you like celebrated Thanksgiving, I hope like it was nice. Yeah. And although I hope everything is well for you, like if you're at school, I hope everything is fine. I know like we're entering like the moment that is really stressful because it's always before like the holidays that is just so the work, is just school is just so hectic, like because it's the end of the semester and every teacher, they want to have like exams or stuff to do. And you don't want to do it because you just want to be in the Christmas spirit and, you know, chill <laughs> and have a, just a cup of hot chocolate next to the fireplace and watching Christmas movies. Well, that's what I always wanted to do during this period of time. So if you're like still in school, I'm with you because that's the time of the year that you absolutely do not want to work. But it's almost the moment you have to work the most that in, you know, around like spring. So yeah, I'm with you and I try to give you like good vibes for the end of this semester, if that's how it works, when well, France is how it works. So I'm just assuming that it's the same everywhere. I know it's not, but like, yeah, no one wants to work when it's almost Christmas. Anyway, can you just believe that it's almost Christmas? Like in less than a month, it's Christmas. Like how, how is that possible? Like, yeah, at the end of this week, just opened the Christmas market in Strasbourg. And I'm like, oh my God, if there's a Christmas market, that means Christmas is almost there. Like, oh my God, crazy. Anyway, this is, I'm opening this episode talking about Christmas when this episode is actually so heartbreaking. Yeah, I know. But anyway, I hope you are doing well and I hope school work or anything like I don't know isn't too stressful and if it is I hope this will maybe cheer you up even if it's like really heartbreaking episode and yeah I'm sending you good vibes to like finish like this year on a good note anyway we're absolutely not here to talk about that we're here to talk about episode three of season four of Downton Abbey that I called the one with the opera singer at first I wanted to make an like another title maybe a bit more like darker and sadder but I thought you know what I think for any downtown fans you say the one with the opera singer probably sure that everyone knows which episode it is and especially what is happening in this episode so yeah and well let's just start shall we before starting this episode I just want to make a bit of a like trigger warning well, obviously, technically, if you listen to that, you have seen the episode, but I just want to say that I will mention sexual assault, rape. So if you like don't want to hear anything about it, I'm going to talk about it at the end. We're going to talk about Anna. So if you don't want to listen to that, I can just skip that part and skip just the end. I just want to make this little 
like warning at the beginning because I know it's very difficult subject to talk about and some people don't want to hear read or anything about it and I totally understand it so if you're not like um I don't know if comfortable is the right word but if you really don't want to hear anything about that just skip the end so if you remember last episode Edith she said to Michael Gregson that her mother was having a party at Downton and she invited him to the party well it's the party and you understand it like right away because at the beginning of the episode you see cars arriving at the castle so there's a lot of people you see a lot of people in the hall so you know a party with guests and one of the highlights of this party is that an opera singer dame Nelly Melba is coming to sing at Downton and talking about party you have like I said guests and usually guests they bring servants where they bring like valets, ladies maids and you have Carson and Mrs. talking about like the guests and apparently there's not that much valets and ladies maids I mean if it was 10-15 years ago there would have been much more like servants staying but when we know it like it's a changing word and so the men and the women especially the younger people they don't have necessarily valets or ladies maids or even older people because maybe they don't have enough money to have like ladies maids or valet well for example i don't think like isabel she doesn't have a ladies maid like she only has a cook and maybe a maid like to clean the house she doesn't even have a butler anymore so yeah for example and obviously carson is like ah oh, before the war he would have been this way you know like he doesn't like you know that the word is changing he's not really feeling really keen about that he kind of lives in the past sometimes. I mean, she's just like, yeah, it's a changing word. Like, live with it. Just stop dwelling on it. Like, it's not because you're going to, you know, dwell on it that it's going to happen again because it's not. Like, just, you have to get on with it. But so, obviously, the party is literally, like, you have different storylines, but everything is happening at the party, obviously. And I wanted to talk first about Mosley. Because, well, Mosley, it's really poor mostly you know he tries and last episode you know Anna she saw him in the village and he was working uh, like building roads or something like that and he said that he owed money to a lot of people and so because she was upset by it Bates he kind of made a plan so he could give money to Mosley well he's not the one who gave money to Mosley it's Violet but in the end Mosley he doesn't owe money to anybody now but he still doesn't have a job while well, he, you know, he's still looking for a job because, uh, well, it's complicated. And so, in this episode, he arrives at Downton with a delivery from Mr. Bakewell. And so actually he works, well, he makes the delivery now for Bakewell's. And it's, it's sad because Daisy is like, you're a delivery boy. And Mrs. Papmore, she tries to, you know, she says, no, it is uh, nothing to be ashamed of. You know, it's a, it's a job. But you see that um, Mosley's like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's coming down the ladder from where he was because he was a valet, even a butler at the moment. Like he, you know, complicated. And and because Mosley, I don't know why, but he always has this face of like, he has the weight of the word on his shoulders. Like, I don't know, that you just want to give him a hug and tell him it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I really like Mosley. And, well, what happens in this episode? There's a moment, Jimmy, being Jimmy, has to show off. And because Daisy can't 
open a job. Alfred tries it, can't do it, and Jimmy has to show off. He does it, but instead of just putting a jar, you know, on the table, he has to, like, again, show off, and then he falls, and the jar <laughs> falls on the floor. The jar is broken, and he has hurt his wrists. So he can't carry the plate with the food. So at first, because it's short notice, it's Barrow. So, well, Thomas, who has to be a footman. And the guy is supposed to be an underbutler, so he's not really pleased about that. But the issue is that there's still, like, a party going on. And he can't just ask Barrow to be um, a footman. First, because Thomas doesn't really want to be, because he's, like, underbutler. And also because, you know, Carson, he likes to have a big party. So, you know, if he can have, like, if he could have 20 footmen, he would. So he had an idea and he calls Mosley and you see Mosley running to the castle because, well, Carson called him and he says, well, I'm short of a footman. <laughs> Mosley at first is like, oh, you want me to be a footman? And Carson, he's really good at trying to make you feel like, I don't know, like at first, like, I know, like, you can be so much more than just a footman. But now, you know, I'm, I need one. And, you know, you're working at Bakewell's. So technically, you know, and mostly, like he says, well, you know, I have no job, so I can't choose. You know, he says something like I'm a beggar, so I can't be a a chooser or something like that. So he becomes a footman. He has to wear gloves, which for him is a huge thing, because if you're a butler, you do not wear gloves. Plus, Carson tells him that Alfred would be first footman. So he ends up being second footman. It's not like the bottom of the ladder because there's people underneath but like for someone who has been a valet and he was even a butler you know being a second footman well it's yeah it's something and I mean I love when he says that he's having his career backwards because he kind of feels like that but I feel so sorry for him but at the same time you're happy because well he has a job you know but yeah and I just love when he's in the dining room and we know Violet she likes him and when she sees him, she's like, oh, Mosley, you know, uh, she says something like, I knew they couldn't let a man down or something like that. And he says, well, on the contrary, Maria, that's exactly what they can do. And Carson, he hears it. He is not pleased. Because Violet said in a way that, you know, because you're a good worker, you had to find work again. But what he says is that way he's still down because he could be at Carson's place and he ends up being like second footman. But I like it. I, I say it already, but I don't know about you, but I love Mosley. So I like the fact that we still see him. It's not the end, obviously, of Mr. Mosley. It's not the end of his storyline. But just what I love about Mosley is that most of the servants actually like him. Like Mrs. Patmore, she likes him. Like she and Mrs. Hughes, I think they feel sorry a bit for him. Like he, you know, and Anna, she likes him a bit. But Anna, she, she's so sweet. Like she likes almost everybody. So yeah, but I just love the fact that, you know, they have like um, a soft spot for him. So, yeah, like that. To stay with downstairs, let's talk about one of my favorites, Mrs. Patmore. You realize from the beginning of the episode that it's been a while since such a party happened at Downton. And, yeah, there's a lot of excitement in the kitchen, but, like, a lot. Like, Mrs. Patmore, she's really like, have you done this, have you done that? And what I just love is that you see that Daisy has everything under control, but nobody acknowledges that. Like she's like, "This is done. I'm going to do that at that moment." Like, ev- like almost everything is ready. Like she's such a hard worker, 
she says, you know, to try to reassure Miss Papon, like, you know, everything is almost ready, everything under control, you know. But she's so agitated, like you see, it's like all hands on deck, you know. And even Ivy's like, well, she needs to slow down, like, <laughs> she needs to, you know, put her feet up at a moment. And even me, I watched this, I was like, oh my God, she's stressing me out right now. And then she's working late at night, like Mrs. Hughes, she sees her and she's but what are you doing still here? And she said, well, I've, I asked Ivy and Daisy to go to bed. But I wanted to get ahead of myself. Like I'm going to start. She started preparing things to, well, be well, more prepared for the next day. She said, maybe I, I can lay out what I need for breakfast tomorrow. Like she's, you want to like, you need to go to sleep, Mrs. Batmore. And she's just very irritated. But like she, she can be irritated easily. Like when Jimmy, you know, shows off and he falls in the jar, uh, breaks to the floor. She's angry. Like in a sense when she's angry but like you feel that she's even more angry because you know like when you um so stressed or nervous or already too agitated the tiniest thing just drives you nuts and then because jimmy has his wrist at the moment in the kitchen he starts swearing and i just love when she says i'll have no swear words in here thank you very much unless i'm doing the swearing i just love that when she says unless i'm doing the swearing because it makes me think about, uh, I don't know if you have seen that, but it was a sketch for Tech Center, Downton Abbey Tech Center. But it was, I think, 2015, I think. It's like um, a sketch. And in this one, they like have auditioned for um, the next center. And I mean, there's Gordon Ramsay coming in and he swears a lot. He's asking why does he swear a lot. And he says that because he's been trained by Mrs. Papmore. Anyway, it makes me laugh. If you haven't seen that, you should watch it. This one in the tech center the year prior to that with George Cooney. I absolutely love those two. Like, it's very, very funny. And you have to see that. Anyway. And then, so, there's the dinner. While the dinner is going on. And Mrs. Papmore. You see, like, she is sweating. She's red in the face. Like, really, you see something is wrong. We have never seen her like that. And then she's not feeling well like she she's in pain and so everyone is panicking and they say you need like to sit down for a bit and this is part like, i can't because i haven't finished like to prepare like the sauces and the food like dinner is not ready and so, but you can't do anything and alfred says i'm going to do it you know i can do that the sauces and because they say i can't just do her work and mine because um, you know i only have two arms <laughs> can't do everything and Alfred is like, I'm going to do the sauces and you, you know, you do your work. And Mr. Carson, he comes in. And obviously he sees that Miss Papmore is sitting on a chair. He's like, what is going on? <laughs> oh my God, this conversation. I think it's really funny. Daisy, she says, Alfred's making the sauces for the dinner and Mrs. Papmore's having a heart attack. I'm not surprised. No, I mean, really? I just love that Carson's first reaction is, of course she's having a heart attack if a footman is doing the sauces. <laughs> But then they asked Dr. Clarkson to come and he says that she just had anxiety, like just a, a panic attack because there was so much to be done that she was so nervous because it has been a while since, it has, since such a party happened at Downton. And he says, you know, you should not let all the work to be done to um, overpower you. You need to put your feet up a bit. And, um, but he says she will be fine. And she even says that she can go and listen to Dame Nelly. And then there's the concert. And during the concert, I, I really love this tiny scene. It's The concert is awful, okay? Just to say, the concert, there are some really sweet moments or funny moments 
during the concert it is something absolutely awful and that awful thing we're going to talk about at the end yeah i'm gonna keep for the end i can't talk about it now <laughs> gonna keep it for the end so during the concert alfred he well, he says to miss papon that he hopes he hadn't he hasn't let her down and she says no that apparently they loved the dinner so he did good and again he says it again that that's what he wants to do that he wants to work in the kitchen you know again i like it because it's still a story and this has been happening for a while now and so we're still talking about it about alfred who wants to be a cook and i like that because he's a mrs papmore she's not like since the beginning she kind of encourages him you know like why can't you be a cook and i like that so i think it's sweet and i'm happy that it was nothing too serious because i just love mrs papmore so much so yeah and about alfred wanting to be a cook this is definitely well not the end bananas now let's talk a bit about upstairs because well, we're going to talk about upstairs now until talking about you know the very disturbing thing that happened with downstairs disturbing awful upsetting revolting i don't even know how to categorize that because um yeah anyway so upstairs let's talk about isabel because isabel she has she had the hard time you know obviously after matthew's death obviously because her son is dead but she was feeling a bit better when she took care of mr greek because it gave her a purpose but now you know mr greek is gone and you see at the beginning she is at her house with dr clarkson and i talk about you know the party and she says that she's supposed to go there to hear dame nelly meba sing she doesn't know if she wants to do it and she says no i don't want them to be in mourning forever because i don't want that but i'm not sure if i can like go to a party and he kind of understands a bit he says oh if he's disloyal to matthew he says not disloyal but like i don't know i just don't want to party which we can understand but then violet is in the car and she she's in the village and she, she sees isabel so she gets out of the car and she asks isabel she wants actually she asks her but she actually wants her to come to downtown to hear meba sing and isabel she doesn't know she says, well i have so, like she says something like i have so much to do and we know that it's not true and Violet, she really tries, she wants her to bring her back to the world. And we know that Matthew never would have wanted his mother to just shut herself, you know, from the world. So Violet, she says that she, she should come. And Isabel says, but I'm so afraid that I'm going to forget, you know, that I'm going to be happy and I'm going to forget like my son or forget that my son is dead or something like that. I mean, we can understand her, but, you know, Violet, she's very persuasive. <laughs> so in the end... Isabel, she comes to downtown and during dinner she's next to tom and this is a relationship that really 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 love because we know isabel she likes you know to be a bit of a rebel so sybil marrying tom was something that she was shocked maybe not like against completely because she likes to be a kind of a rebel she invited tom to dinner when he was alone when they were out to donigo and she 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 made good compliments you managed really well the transition from being like the chauffeur to being like the son-in-law of the earl no something like that and he was a good friend he was a good friend with matthew so that counts as well and so they're next to each other at dinner and you see that he sees that she looks sad and she looks even sadder because she just heard mary laugh and she even says i don't want her to be like again sad and mourning all her life because she's young and 
you know, I don't want her, but it's just, the thing is, you know, all, everyone around this table, and most of them are actually quite young men that could have been the age of Matthew, you're all alive, but my son is dead. And this is just so heartbreaking because I'm not saying it's more heartbreaking to lose a child and to lose, like, your husband, because especially when you're, like, Matthew's age, Mary, it's not possible to imagine that you lose your husband. But, you know, Isabel, she already has lost her husband, and now she lost a son, which is not technically what's ha- supposed to happen, you know? You're not supposed to lose your child. It's supposed to be your child who buries you. This is actually quite sad, but, you know, in the order of things. So, well, it's very, very sad. And I just love when Tom, he, I think he, take, he just touches her hand, I think. Well, you see that his hand goes somewhere under the table, like in where her hand could be. <laughs> so, you know, you imagine it. I don't know. He makes a nice gesture. Like you see like in his eyes, he really wants, it's a way to say like, I'm with you. Like, you know, because he lost his wife as well. So now he understands what he's going for, but a bit, you know, because obviously it's different. And you, you see in his eyes that he wants to do something to cheer up, but he doesn't know what. And at the opposite of Tom, there's Violet, and she sees that. And I like that moment because you see that they exchange, like, they change looks. And she, the way, you know, she just nods saying that, you know, you did good. Like, it's good what you do, you know, to show sympathy and to tell her that you're here. I don't know, but just she appreciates it. I just like that. I think it's um, a sweet moment during the concert, obviously. I just love Violet and Isabel, there's a moment they don't talk. But when the first song is over, you see Violet, she's like, oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's... Uh... And then when they talk, and Violet says, well, we can always rely on Puccini. And Isabel says, well, I prefer Bartok. She's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you would. I just love that. We missed it. You know, Violet, Isabel being them. So I really like it. And then when it's the end of the party, even Robert says that he was glad that Isabel came. And she says that she's glad she came too, you know. And it's just something about Git, that Git can, can make you do, like, such weird things. And obviously, Violet's like, oh, well, Git has never really played a part in my life. I just, we just missed it. I missed it. I don't know about you, but I really missed it. And I, I feel like we're starting to have Isabel back again, but especially Isabel and Violet. Like, because them bickering, we just love it. Well, I don't know about you, but I just love it. And so... We talked a bit about Tom already. Well, let's go. Because Tom, oh my God, there's a lot happening here. Tom, it's the first time that there's a big party like that. And he's actually a member of the family. But like, he's considered truly a member of the family. Not just because he was Sybil's husband. But now he's really, you know, Robert really likes him. You can feel it. Everyone likes him. Like, he's really a part of the family. But he's not part truly of the aristocracy and this is always uh, complicated you know because he's not really in his element you can feel it and when everyone is in the hall you see he talks to uh, the duchess where well, there's a duchess here and he talks to her but you see that he's really trying like he wants to be polite and this just duchess starts saying oh you must miss uh, you know Sybil very much it's like yes what, what what a good way to start the conversation you're missing your dead wife yeah I'm sure you do like yeah, that's maybe not the best way to start the conversation. And he tries to be polite. Well, um, how how was the, the journey? And Violet, then she, Violet says to, to Robert, I really like that. <laughs> she says, I'm afraid Tom's small talk is very small indeed. Not everyone can be Oscar Wilde. That's a relief. I love how Robert, he says that a bit annoyed. Like, come on, he tries it, you know. 
who invited us? That's a relief. It makes me laugh because obviously, well, Oscar Wilde, there was a lot of uh, drama around Oscar Wilde. So I don't know. I think it's funny. The Violet is funny. I mean, we know that. But obviously, Edna is still here. And we haven't had Edna Tom since she came back. Well, now we have. Uh, and I'm not happy about it. And well, Edna is in one of the corridors and she sees, well, up, the upstairs corridors, and she sees Tom in what white tie. He says, oh, they finally got you to wear one. And he says, well, he's still uh, very uncomfortable, like he doesn't feel his element and stuff. And they talk, and she says, I hope we can still be friends, you know. And he says, oh, yes, but we can't, like, have lunch in the pub in the village. And you're like, no, you can't. Like, no, you can't. He says, you know, please, you know, I'm work, I'm working on a tightrope here. But like, I just don't want you to be my enemy. He's like, oh, no, I'm not. Like, I wish you well. And like, no, 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 I don't wish her well. You're like, Tom, you are too nice. And I hate it because she makes him feel guilty. I already said that uh, last season, but she makes him feel guilty and ashamed for the evolution that he had. I'm with Mrs. Hughes. She made him ashamed of this life when Sybil would be proud. And I'm so with Mrs. Hughes. So don't listen to Edna. Just listen to Mrs. Hughes, okay? Because Mrs. Hughes, she's the voice of reason, okay? Like, I just hate it how Edna, she talks to like, and he even feels that he has to justify himself, you know. You don't have to justify yourself to anybody, especially not her. Anyway. And so then Tom is again with upstairs people. And he's in the drawing room. And he talks still to this duchess. The cha, and in the end, he calls her Your Grace. And Violet, she comes in and she says, don't call her Your Grace. Because apparently that's only if you're a servant, but like if you're in a social uh, situation with all the people from there, you just don't call her your grace, you call her duchess. And I like it because Tommy's like, yeah, but I don't call you countess. Since there's no logic in it, you know, and I'm with him. I'm like, yeah, no logic. But then Violet, she says, Oh, no, but if I were to search for logic, I should not look for it among the English upper class. And I just find it very endearing that she really wants Tom, instead of just pointing the finger at him like, oh, look, he can't behave properly or something like that. Since the beginning of Tom and Sybil, you know, since Tom and Sybil got married, you know, when he came back for Mary's wedding and like that because she sent the money, she is a bit on his side. Like, I don't know, you know, she just told him, don't call her your grace, you should not do that. But not in a way to say, look, you don't know how to behave. More in the next time, you know. I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but I just love how she likes Tom. Like, she has warmed up to him. And I think this is very endearing because they're definitely not from the same world. She is everything he hated. And I just love it. And it makes me a bit mad because I'm pretty sure... This is just my imagination, but Cora not being from the aristocracy, when she arrived at Downton, I'm sure she made her life hell because I'm sure she didn't know anything about like the names. I'm sure she must have called someone your grace that she wasn't supposed to call someone your grace. And I'm sure Violet used that against her to show how unsuited she was to be like the next Countess of Grantham. I'm sure of it. And so... <laughs> I'm happy that now Tom, she doesn't want like to point the finger at him and say, you don't know how to behave. But I feel a bit sorry because I'm really sure that something like that must happen to Cora because there's no logic in it. And I feel like Violet was not as nice to Cora that she was with Tom. So, yeah. 
anyway. And anyway, drawing room and there's music. And the Duchess, she says, oh, I love dancing, but now I don't have anyone to dance with me. I don't have a partner anymore because you understand because she's alone that her husband is dead. And at that moment, Tom is looking elsewhere like, yeah, I haven't heard what you just said. And Courage says, Tom, you're dressed for it. He's like, great. I didn't want it to dance with her. But like, then so he asked her to dance. And so they dance together and talk about Ireland. And, you know, she, she asked him where he grew up. And obviously she says that she, she loved that that place in Ireland and she asked him if he knows a certain um, lady because she's her niece and he says well I've heard of and you're like yeah you might know her from the one that you know since there were a lot of people from the aristocracy that he was against and he took part in some rally or stuff like that you know we remember that when they like burned the house down stuff like that but then he uh, talks again with Edna and asks him if he enjoyed the party he said well you know I am a fool. I'm just like a fool. I am a fool. And something I feel a bit bad because she then said, well, um, Alfred said you were dancing. And he says with an old bat that just like she doesn't know, like she treats him like I don't know what she said, but I think he said something not really nice. And in my vision, the way this Duchess acts, I don't have the feeling that she acts in a way to be mean. I feel like she wants to really have a chat with him, but like she doesn't really know how because she's a duchess and she's never had a chat with someone from Ireland that is not from the, you know, aristocracy because I think everyone knows that Tom is not from the aristocracy. And what the thing that has is she really, because they talked a lot. They were always like, it feels like she wanted to chat with him and to be like nice to him. But, you know, it was a bit clumsy because she didn't know how to talk to him. I don't know if you feel the same, but when... He said, you know, with a no bat that could be like my grandmother or something like that that treat me like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but the way he said it, I, I was a bit hurt for that Duchess because I felt like she was quite nice. I don't know, you know, she's not Larry Gray. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the worst, so okay, but I don't know. Tell me what you think because, uh, yeah, I felt a bit sad for this Duchess, actually. Anyway, you know, they say he says that he's a fish out of water and, you know, and he still talks to Edna and every time like, why are you talking to her like avoid her but you know anyway um um tommy's in the library and robert comes in and he has to have a drink before the concert because it's robert and tom he's not feeling well at all he says that he does not belong here and it's a nice at first he says no since sibor you all made me believe that i belong with you and robert's like well yeah you do then no not with you among your own people well, you see, Robert, I think he already had a bit to drink because, you know, the way he speaks, you're like, mm, not completely sober, you know. But he says that, you know, if this, if it's something that the Duchess said, you know, do not pay attention because you belong there. You have your place, you know, uh, among us. Yeah, like, you're wrong. And Cora, she would think like me, obviously. It's more like Robert thinks like Cora because, you know, <laughs> anyway. But Tom, you see, he's uh, feeling really down. But I still think that Sybil be so proud of him because he tries. <laughs> and again, I still think he thinks like that because of Edna. I'm still sure she's one of the reasons why he feels so bad about being among them, like upstairs. Anyway, and then when the party is over, he is wretched. And he's sitting on the bench uh, at the foot of the stairs. Edna comes in 
with a drink of whiskey, with a lot of whiskey, and he drinks it. And he even says, oh, you understand me, do you? Something like that. Says, well, I like to think I do, something like that. But you know what? Seeing Anna giving a drink to Tom, or giving a glass of something to Tom, I do not like that. I do not feel well at all. I mean, first, there's a lot of whiskey in that drink, and you don't know what she must have put in the drink. I don't like her, and I'm very suspicious if she only put whiskey in the drink. I mean, whiskey was obviously already not a good idea, but like, <laughs> I'm not sure that, you know, there's nothing in it, you know, because it's Edna and <laughs> don't really like it, especially because downstairs when they were playing the game, like racing demons or something, she says, I think I was about to win. And she says, which is a good omen with her little smile. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, don't like her. Um, anyway, so you, I don't feel good about that. And then at the end of the episode, after she took care of Cora, you see her running through the corridor, like upstairs uh, corridors, going into a room, asking, are you asleep or something like that and getting inside. We don't know who that is, but I mean, we're not stupid. It's upstairs and there's only one person from upstairs that she is interested in. So we know she went into Tom's room. We don't know what happened. Well, <laughs> we're not stupid, but I am so angry. I just can't stand her. Like really, it just, I think she's one of the worst uh, female characters that we had on this show. I just can't stand her. So we don't know for now, you know, what happens in the room, but mm, uh, we are not stupid. We weren't born yesterday, but we just have to like wait until next episode, I guess. Bananas. Now let's talk about another character that annoys me, but not annoys me, like Edna. It's just the character I'm like, meh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's Tony Gingham. And obviously we're going to talk about Mary too. Here's a first guest that we see at the beginning. Maybe a, a reason for why I didn't like him is like, we know that Cora is a portrait of character, especially when it comes to her ladies' maids, but... <laughs> He is worse because like his valet is just a piece of shit. We're going to talk about that valet later. So Tony Gilligan, well, Anthony Gilligan. First, the guy is named Anthony, like Anthony Strallen. I'm just saying, okay, they can have the same name, but like, why? First, this is not a good omen. I'm just saying they have like the same name. Maybe that's why they call him Tony. But when in the beginning you see him, when he says to his valet, the housekeeper used to be named Mrs. Hughes. You see that he's been there before. He knows the house and the people in it. Well, obviously, when it's a party, so usually you invite people, you know. But there were people in it that they didn't really know. But you see, he knows. And when they're all in the hall, Cora and Robert talk about the guests and who is who because some people, well, he doesn't know, she doesn't know, you know. And by talking about Tony Gillingham, Robert, he has Cora. Who's the glamorous pirate? I mean, the glamorous pirate? Really? <laughs> like, I don't know, it makes me laugh because that's not the phrase I would have used to talk about Tony getting him. So, yeah. Anyway, that makes me laugh. But so, then Mary and Tony, they're talking together. And he says that he has no children, no wife, but he's has been close to marrying a, a couple of times and now he's close now so we know that he has a fiance and obviously you know he talks to me saying about you and she's well i have a son and well you know that matthew is like oh yes i'm so sorry and like yeah i mean man you know 
like he forgot that her husband died. That is not a good start. Okay. I don't know why he annoys me. Maybe because he looks so perfect. I don't know. Anyway. Then they're together in the drawing room and they talk. Apparently, he would like to go riding. Where he said that he has bring an outfit to go riding. And so, yeah, you can. We can prepare like a horse or something like that. And he asks her if she wants to come with him. So, you know what? I might, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I went you know riding so that could be nice and then she asked if somebody else wants to go no one wants to go so it's going to be just her and tony gillingham and when he said why are you stuck with me you realize that he's really happy to be stuck with her so the next day they go riding together and i like those shots i like the like the color like the cinematography i think it's really beautiful because she is in black because riding clothes are almost all black or, you know, with the red jacket. I mean, I talked about it a lot, but she's in black, but she has a white horse and he has a black horse and he's not in white, but she's like more in the greenish kind of outfit. I like the um, the vibe that it gives you, like the colors. I think it's really pretty in the fact that he has a black horse and she has a white horse. I, I, think, I really like that. And they talk about his fiance. Apparently, he is engaged to the greatest heiress of the season, like the greatest catch. Like she was the catch of the season. And he says, well, everyone is happy, you know, like her family, my family, like everyone um, would be really happy if it happens. And she says to him, she said, well, you might be surprised to that a match that everyone wants could turn out to be a happy one. Because Matthew, we know that since the beginning, everyone wanted her, Matthew to get married. And in the end, they got married. They were really happy. It was short, but it was really, they were happy. And she says, well, actually, it might have just slowed everything down. Maybe if no one wanted them to be together, maybe they, they would have ended up together, like, sooner. And it's a lovely, like, conversation because um, because she says that she was very happy. And says, well, you were lucky because you've known love. So, you know, Matthew is there, but at least you've known it. She says, well, she's not really sure because he changed her. Like, you know, Matthew, he he brought out the softness that she had. I really think that Mary became a bit nicer and less cold uh, when she was happy with Matthew. But she says that maybe because of that, she feels like she would have been maybe stronger if she had never been with him. I'm not convinced, but that's what she thinks. And then so they go to the city estate. She tells him about her issue with the tax people and because they have to pay the death duties. But um, her father wants to sell land, but she doesn't want to. And so he says, well, can I give you a piece of advice? Like, well, you know what? Why not? I mean, I don't know what to do. So, yes. And he says, you know, maybe you should just meet the tax people and ask them to bring the best deal they can offer. Like, you know, having every every information, everything um to see everything on the table and decide when you have all the options that you can do. And so she talks about it with Robert and Robert, he's not completely convinced by it. He's not like, I don't want to meet them, but he's like, I don't think it would change my mind, but like, if you want. And then, you know, during dinner, she laughs with him and he said he wants to see her when she's in London. And, you know, she says, I don't think I should, like, I don't really approve it. Like, I don't think that your fiance would, like, no. You see the way he looks at her, the guy he's smitten even more than that i think the guy just he just fell in love with her right away like he just saw her he said okay then they're in the drawing room and so uh they hear music so people go dancing and he asked her to dance with him <laughs> i like this moment because uh, she is with violet she's what well, i thought i'd keep granny company 
Violet, she says, Don't use me as an excuse. If you don't want to dance, tell him. I just love it. But then, so they dance together. But then she sees the gramophone. Because Rose, she asked Afra to bring the gramophone down to put some music so they can dance. But the gramophone, well, it was Matthew's. And so she sees that. She says, well, I can't dance. Obviously, love memories and all that. And so she go upstairs and in this scene so people are dancing Tony Gingham obviously has stopped because Mary is leaving Rose and her partner uh, Sir John Bullock they have stopped too and she misses why it was Matthew I didn't think like you realize she feels a bit guilty well she doesn't really think about her action before doing them but realize she feels a bit guilty at that moment but what I'm most interested in it's Cora in the background because she's dancing too when Mary is going upstairs, she looks in the direction of the stairs and she looks worried. I know it's only in the background, but it's Cora looking worried. Okay, <laughs> Obviously, I noticed it. I hope you're not too bored about me being obsessed with Cora because I realized like tiny things she does. I noticed it. Well, not everything. I think maybe I missed them a lot. But like when I noticed something she does because I'm like really focused on her I have to say it so I hope I do not bore you <laughs> but yeah well now I mean we're season four and I believe you got the point that I am obsessed with Cora anyway yeah Anna she comes to Mary's room and they talk about the gramophone and Anna said that she said to Rose that she should ask Mary's permission to use the gramophone it was to listen to her records and remember last episode I said that Rose in her room she was listening to music so she used the gramophone and, well, she never asked Mary to use it. And Mary is very sad. And it's not just about the gramophone. It's just, she keeps thinking about Matthew. And she says that sometimes I think that almost like a part of me died when Matthew died. Like the, all the nice things that he saw in me died when Matthew died. And it's very sad. It's very, very sad. And well, she, she's still, you know, she's not completely out of it. You know, obviously she feels a bit better now because she has a bit of a purpose and she uh, takes a bit care of the estate and it's a way also to continue Matthew's legacy and all that. But, you know, it's not completely, the wound is not completely healed because, well, she lost her husband. Like, yeah, it's uh, tragic. And then she says, you know, I made a fool of myself in front of uh, Lord Gillingham. And, and I said, well, I don't think he minds. And she says, well, I don't think he did. So Mary, she's not stupid. She realized that he likes her i mean i think everyone has realized that he likes her but yeah and at the end when the party is over getting Amy says to robert that he had a great time and that he was really happy that he came that his stay was full of surprises so robert is happy you know but you know that he's glad he came because he just fell in love with mary <laughs> and i don't know why he annoys me maybe he, it's because he's too perfect I don't know how to explain it, but like, he's nice. He's not bad looking. He seems like he's charming and like a really nice person. He gets on with almost everybody. Like he has good conversation. He's polite. Truly, when you see on the paper, he looks perfect, but like he looks too perfect. I don't know if you know what I mean. And his puppy eyes when he looks at Mary, I don't know why it annoys me. Like he's a nice man, but he's not good for Mary. Mary, she needs someone who can challenge her. And he looks like the guy who would 
tell her that everything is perfect. He looked at the guy who doesn't want to be angry with her. And so instead of challenging her and sometimes really be like against her because they do not agree, he would agree with her with everything. I don't know if you know what I mean. Tell me about it. But I know that, oh my God, in the fandom on Twitter, he receives a lot of, not hatred, but a lot of, we don't like you, Gillingham. Like, I don't know. There's something about him. I just don't like him. And it's not just because he's too perfect, because there will be a character that I adore that we arrive at the end of season five, I think, who's for me is the real nice guy. You know, like sometimes in movies or shows, you have characters that are kind or nice guys but if you look closer you realize they're not that nice because sometimes the things that they did or the way uh, they react to things is not that nice that can be a bit manipulative or stuff like that and when you see that he looks like this nice guy but i don't know why i don't like him i think for me the red flags number one is his ballet yeah maybe that's why i don't like him and didn't like him since the beginning like guy such a bad judge of character when you see your ballet like yeah anyway (laughs) I don't like him. I just don't want you to think I just don't like him because he looks too nice. Because, like I said, the character that is coming that is part of the character that I adore, and he's really like the nice guy. I think he's the nicest guy in the whole downtown like uh, universe. But it's just I don't know. <laughs> if you have a reason why you don't like Tony Gingham, because I know there's not that much people who likes him. Or if you like him, tell me. I would love, again, I always said it, go and have a chat with me because I just, I don't like him. He annoys me. Like, he's annoying. Like, he's boring. That's the word. He is boring. Like, meh. Anyway, I've been talking for 10 minutes about the fact that I don't like Tony Kingham. So if you have your own um, opinion, I would love to hear it. And let's just close uh, the chapter Tony Kingham. <gasps> For now, because obviously, you know, <laughs> it's not the end. Bananas. Now, Edith and Michael. And you know what I'm going to say again, but I really like them together. I think they look great. Like they have a great relationship. Well, if you don't count the fact that he's married, I think, you know, the way they are together, like it's nice. I like this Michael Gregson, you know, too bad that, you know, it's, going, it's not going to end well because we know it. <laughs> Because, you know, since the beginning I told you, we know it. It was written in advance, but anyway. So Gregson is here. You know, Edith invited him. I said that at the beginning of the episode. He's here. She absolutely wants her father to know him. You know, she's I'm gonna, I'm gonna manage it. You know, I'm gonna make him really know you. I'm gonna make him, like, try even have a chat with you. So he, you know, we learn a bit to know you. So he can see that you're not a bad person. But she tries multiple times and she fails. First, it was at breakfast. She says to her father that she's going to have a walk with Michael in the garden. And she asks him if he wants to come with them. He says, no, I don't think so. I have a lot to do. Says, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Then they talk about the library. You know, Robert's at his desk. And she says, well, Michael was admiring the library. And Robert, he avoids them. You see, even when the way he answers to what Michael says, he doesn't even really look at them. And he leaves. I just love Michael's reaction because he's a bit amused. He's like, he doesn't approve of me. She's like, but he doesn't know you. Well, he's not he's not likely to like know me because he avoids me. And Edith is like, I'm gonna manage it. And she is a bit pissed because she realizes it's important to her that her father knows the guy she's in love with, or even try to like know him or even just talk to him. You see, it's important to her. And I feel like he senses that it's important to her. Then it's kind of a parallel story, but it works in this storyline. 
you have a Mr. Samson staying at Downton and Robert invited him because he saw him at the club where he goes and he invited him. Samson, he wants to play cards. On the first night, neither Gregson or Robert play cards, but you have Tony Gillingham and Sir John Bullock who play cards. They played poker and apparently they lost a lot of money. Like he smashed them. The next day, Robert, he wants to play cards and Tony actually, he warns him. You know, he's really good. And at first, Robert's like, well, <laughs> I think I could take care of myself. <laughs> Excuse me, Robert, what? You can, you can, you can what? You can take care of yourself. Really? Yeah, not really sure about that. But <laughs> anyway, and Gregson, he wants to play too, because he even says to Edith, I'm going to play because if I am playing cards with your father at the same table, he can't just avoid me. But they are all losing. And I just like this scene because Robert's like, well, I'm pretty deep. Um, please do, like, don't say anything to Lady Grantham. You know, I don't want to worry her. I just love it because Carson is there, you know, like serving drinks. And the way he looks at Robert when he says that, really a disapproving look, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I just like it. Then to stay a bit with this story about gam- gambling and Scar, because it is related to Edith Michael's storyline. Robert then... <laughs> He's with Bates in the dressing room. He talks about how he was uh, smashed by Samson and how he lost a great deal of money that, you know, um, Gillingham tried to warn him, but he didn't listen. And, you know, and then he's like, well, keep it to yourself, you know. And Bates like, well, of course, you know. I mean, it's Bates. You can trust Bates. But just love it then because he's with Cora and they talk about gambling. Where at first he says uh, that he doesn't want um, Samson to be invited here again. And it's like, well, no, I don't really like him. Obviously, he doesn't because he lost a great deal of money. And she asked him if he had made an opinion about Mr. Gregson. He says, well, Samson, you know, destroyed him at poker, but he took it like a man. So, you know, I just thought when she says, I hope you weren't caught up in it. It's like, no, I was more of a spectator, really. But just watch the body language. Like, he's really like a child who knows he's done something wrong. But he doesn't want to say because he's going to be not punished, but, you know, it's not going to end well. And I just love how he can't look at his wife while he says that. So he turns her back. Like, and then she looks at the furniture like, oh, look, nice, um, nice piece of furniture. Right? He's like, I don't know, it's just so funny. Because uh, he says, no, no, I was just more of a spectator, really. And she's well, I hate gambling because grown men throwing away their fortune like that. How can something be more stupid? Which is so true. Like, yeah, this is exactly what gambling is. It's like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Are you ready? <laughs> I just love this scene because Robert, his his reaction is just so funny because he knows that if she knows, she would be pissed. <laughs> because, you know, it's not like he lost her fortune already and now technically his money is more like Matthew's money. So, yeah. Robert, he's, I hope Robert would never go to Vegas because he will lose every penny he has. <laughs> Do not trust Robert with money. Do not give him any, actually. It's not a good idea. But so, Gregson, he wants to play with Samson again. But you realize, he says, I think I got the trick of it now. He has an idea. He has a trick up his sleeve. You know, he has a plan. At first, Edith is like, but why would you want to play again when you already played and you, like, lose a lot of money? He says, I'll tell you, I have an idea. So during the concert... They're playing cards and Sir John Bullock is here as well. 
play playing cards and Gregson is winning. You see that Samson, he's a bit taken aback by what is happening. Like you see at first he's confident when he shows his card and then Gregson comes in and you see that Gregson has better cards than him. I don't really know how to play cards. I used to, but now I, yeah, it's been a while since I haven't played poker. So yeah, but you know, you see in their expression and the faces that Samson, he's surprised. No, he's badly surprised by what is happening. And well, in the end, Gregson has won the game. And he says that first he wants to have back all the, so they call it IOUs because it's I-O-U. That's what it means. Um, that he had from everybody. So from uh, Tony Gingham, from Robert, I think even from Sir John Burke, for everyone. And the rest of it, you can like send a check or a note, you know, to him later. And I heard it sounds like, well, you would cheat like me. And Gerson is like, I just won against a card shop. There is pleasure in that. And you see that he's really pleased with himself. So you realize that well, Samson was cheating and he understood house in a way and he managed to like win against him. But like you realize he has cheated too, but like to win against a cheater. So that's not really cheating, right? So then he is giving back the money to everyone with the IOUs. And Robert's like, well, I can't accept it. No, I have won it, you know, fair and square, you know. And so at first skinny game is like fair. It's like, well, I have won it. And Robert said, well, the money is just because you have won it. So I just like the fact that first Robert's like, but you won it, so it's supposed to be yours. And he's like, no, just, you know, it's a better way to end up a, a party. You know, you haven't lost everything. And Robert is really he's surprised. He's pleased, obviously, but he's really surprised, but in a nice way. And so then he says to Edith that Gregson has saved his bacon. But I just love when then he says, but don't tell your mother. <laughs> So I just like that at first, like, but the money is yours. Like, I just love that the first reaction is like, if you have won, the money is yours. I don't know why, it just, yeah. Um, I just like the first reaction. But then, to end this storyline, you know, about Edith and Michael. Covert in the bedroom, my favorite scenes. She asks him, you know, what he thought about Michael Gregson. And he says, you know what? I don't think he, he's what we wanted for Edith, but he's a decent man. She shocked like, oh my god. Heavens, a Damascene conversion. I just love that because she's like, who are you? What have you done with my husband? Like, and I just love her reaction. And so she wants to know what changed. Say, so, well, it's the way he behaved. And so he behaved in a really gentlemanly manner. So he's like, you know, he's not that bad. So in the end, what Gregson did was a nice move. So why don't Gregson? But I just love at the end because Cry's like, what what happened? No, we went from him completely avoiding Gregson to he's nice. <laughs> anyway, so actually you realized in the end that Robert and Cora, well, Cora, she liked Gregson since the beginning. But now they're both, you know, like, I don't think neither of them knows that he's married. I don't think they know it because they wouldn't be that pleased, you know. But now they're like, okay, so I think it's great for Edith. I think that's what she wanted. She wanted her parents to like him because it's important to, well, to her. So now it's nice because everyone is on her side. Well, everyone. Yes, I think everyone's like, Michael Gregson is nice, so it's good for her. But now we still have the issue of, you know, him being married. But apparently he has taken German lessons and he's getting quite fluent. So he's going to leave for Germany soon. And, well, let's just wait and see what happens. Bananas.
This episode is called The One with the Oprah Singer. So now let's talk about the Oprah Singer, Dame Nellie Melba. So she comes to sing at Downton. And Mrs. Hughes, she asks Carson where she's going to eat. And Carson, he says, well, she can have a tray in her room. Mrs. Hughes, she thought, don't you think that she could, you know, eat with the party and the rest of the people? And Carson is like, whoa, this is outrageous. Like just the idea of a singer dining <laughs> with her ladyship, with the Duchess, like, no way. Mrs. Hughes is like, okay, so, you know, <laughs> would you, as you wish, and you see that Crush is very excited to have Nelly Meba singing at Downton. Robert is a bit less excited. You know, he's like, yeah, but very expensive. And Crush is like, yeah, but it's a party. You know, you need to have a special moment. <laughs> and I just like, he's like, you know, and just watching the sunset down by the lake is not special enough. And when he says that, you see Crush is like, oh. you're like always negative. You can't be like, you know, happy and like, no, <laughs> spoil sport. <laughs> I just love her expression. It's just hilarious, like rolling her eyes and saying, <sighs> anyway. Um, and so then Carson, he talks with Robert about a bit the organization of the whole event. And he says that Cora, um, she said to the, the servants that they could hear Melba sing. And Robert's like, of course, because it's a rare opportunity. Not everyone can like hear. Well, first go to the opera and hear like a famous singer like that. And Carson's like, yes, it's very, very nice of her, very generous. But what should we do about the kitchen staff? No, before the war, they wouldn't be allowed. You know, I first remembered where he jokes about it. But it's like, well, I think, you know, we can allow them to come, you know. Like, why can't they listen to a bit of opera, you know. And then Carson says, well, that, you know, Nelly, maybe we have a tray in the room. It's like, you know, whatever you think is best. You see that he listened to that, but not really listened. He's more like, you know what, do, do what you think is best. It's great. Like, I trust you and we go with it. But then they're in the drawing room and they are waiting for Nelly Melba. But she's not coming. And so, you know, Mary says, maybe someone should see if she's all right. And Violet at first is like, but I thought she was singing after dinner. And Isabel, she's like, yes, but so, well, so why would we want to see her before? And I love that because Cora, she's rolling her eyes again, like. <sighs> then she asks Carson about, you know, Nelly Meba, like, where is she? And this scene, I will leave you with the whole scene because it is hilarious. Like I said, she asked Carson about Nelly Meba. And so Carson must have said to her that she was in her room. And Cora's like, what? What do you mean she's in her room? How long has she been there? Her maid took her some tea when she arrived. What? And I'm about to send up dinner. Well, doesn't she want to eat with us? I didn't think it appropriate, ma'am. And his lordship agreed with me. I can't believe my ears. Robert? A world-famous singer is in our house. A great artist, honored by the king. But you felt it beneath your dignity to eat with her? I don't really... Am I the only member of this family who lives in the 20th century? What room is she in? Princess Amelia, my lady. You will have her next to you at dinner, and you will like it. But what do I say to her? What does one say to a singer? I blame you. Isabel also, her reaction, I just, I love them. What I love is when Cora is angry at Robert, even if they were aside. Just love how you have Violet and the Duchess next to each other, and oh, the look is like, oh, he's not going to have a nice moment. And I just love then when he says, to Carson, I blame you. Like, oh my God, this moment is just, I just love it. 
Okay, this is the best scene of this episode, and I have to laugh. Okay, because this episode has like the worst scene ever, but this scene very funny. And so, because Robert say, "But what does one say to a singer?" I thought that that would be my French word of the day. And actually, I have more than one because technically, singer in French is chanteur or chanteuse. If you know, if it's a man, it's chanteur. If it's a woman, it's chanteuse. So C H A N T E U R for chanteur, and in the end, it's E U S E for chanteuse. It's obviously un chanteur, une chanteuse. But for an opera singer, there's a word where you can also say like chanteur d'opéra or chanteuse d'opéra. But we have a word for a female opera singer. You say cantatrice, and that is written C A N T A T R I C E. So a singer in French is un chanteur ou une chanteuse, and an opera female singer is une cantatrice. So yeah, that was uh, my French words of the day. So you know, in plural. And well, you know, Cora wanted Robert to have Nelly Melba next to him at dinner, and so well, it's what is happening. And I just love when it's a moment to turn because I don't know if you knew that, but maybe now you have guessed it since beginning of downtown. But it's the hostess who chooses to who you are speaking, so that no one would be left, you know, uh, with no one to talk to. She would like first, I don't know, talk to the person on her right. The person on her right, we talk someone to on the left. Like you have to go on the same on the same way that she does. And when she changes the person she is talking to, you have to change it as well. And usually, actually, she would like choose uh, when you change courses, and she would choose the one she prefers for like the main course because it's longer. I think it was something like that. I mean, Jen explained it once. But so I just saw when it's time. To turn, and she looks at Robert like mm-hmm, because that's the moment he's going to speak to the singer, and then he looks at her like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I have to talk to this. <laughs> so he talks to Nelly Merba, and at first he tries to make up for what happened, but then she says that she likes his wine, and she knows exactly what type of wine it is. Like she says, and she's like, have you like read that on the menu? She says, no, I didn't have to. Um, I have made a study of clarets. Like she knows wine. Like she knows them. It's like. Oh, but like the way he says, "Oh, this is gonna be less up here than I thought." You're like, you say that out loud to her that you thought that this would be like not a really pleasant conversation. Like, and even Carson, when she says that it's um Aubryon, so the name of the wine, Carson is like, "What?" Even Carson is like, "Oh, okay, maybe she's not that bad," you know. And then it's the concert, and she's going to start. Another uh, song, and she says that she wants to dedicate this song to love and to lovers. And the moment she says love, Robert he takes Cora's head. And I'm like, oh, this is so cute. And what feels sad is that when she he does that, the Duchess who's sitting next to Cora, she sees it, and you feel like she's a bit sad. So I'm still on the fact that I think her husband is dead and that she misses him and that she's a bit sad. I don't know why I like this Duchess. She seems nice to me. Okay. <laughs> why but like the way she looks at her she's like oh like i don't know it's my interpretation but this like this moment is really cute like it's just before the thing that are not cute and very disturbing arrives but i think this is very sweet you know like the moment is too loud he like he takes her head like oh 
And it's parallel editing between scenes that happen, you know, during the concert, like upstairs, and something that is happening downstairs. And I'm just going to say things that happen upstairs now, because we're going to talk about what happens downstairs after. And I just want to stay on the positive, romantic, sweet note right now, because then, well, you know, I'm going to be wretched. And then and I'm going to talk about the parenting, you know, when we're going to find like the other <laughs> storyline, the last one we have to talk about. But there's a moment you see Cora, she's looking at Melba like with heart in her eyes, like this is so beautiful. And then Robert, when he's looking at her and you're like, oh, this is so sweet. And it drives me nuts because I don't feel like I enjoyed those really, really sweet Cobert moments as much as I would have if we didn't have this other storyline that is happening, you know? Because like, oh, this is so sweet. But like two seconds later, like, oh my God, this is awful. Anyway, I'm going to try to stay on the positive for now. And you see even Mary being moved and it's really sweet. I know I, I like seeing Mary being moved because she's always so, you know, stern and all that. So everyone is a bit moved upstairs and they have no idea what's happening downstairs. But then, again, Cobert in the bedroom. The same scene where they talk about Gregson. She asks if he enjoyed his evening. And if he wasn't too shocked to talk to a professional singer. And I just love how he says, you always make me like appear so narrow-minded. But I liked her, you know. I just like to say because she appreciated your wine. He's like, well, there are worse reasons. But I just love how it's just so casual between them. No, he sat on the chair and she's then on the chaise long with hugging a pillow. This is really cute, you know. I really like this scene, but I can't appreciate it. Actually, I appreciate it, like those moments when I see them outside the episode, you know, when people like make edits or I just see like those scenes. But in the episode, especially with what happened at that moment, you know, I can't appreciate it as much because I'm like, this is awful. Like, I just can't. It just, it drives me completely mad to know that they don't know what happened and we know what happened and they have enjoyed their evening when we know what happened and that's like it just well anyway but they're really cute and i really do love them and yeah well now it's time for the last storyline in one of the worst worst in like why why julian did you do that well let's start so like i said the first guest that we see it's Gillingham and you see Gillingham and his valet and so downstairs you see his valet he drops something Anna she helps him and he's very very friendly the guy he's way too friendly and I don't like it like I'm like there's something about him that just I don't know I'm like Bates <laughs> there's something about him I don't know since the beginning like you no know, like you're an angel from above like I don't know and then he chats with Anna but like the way he chats he's flirting a bit with her and I'm like guy you must know that her husband is working in there too, but you like flirt with her, okay? And Anna, she's friendly. I think Anna, she doesn't see, maybe she like sends or sees the flirting, but she's like, I don't care because I don't want to flirt with him because I'm married and I'm happy, but he's nice and I'm going to be nice because I'm Anna and I'm a nice person. Since the beginning, Betty doesn't like him and he even says there's something about him and I agree with him. There's something about him I don't like. I don't like his look. I, yeah, like, I don't like him. 
And again, there's a lot of things where he just with Anna and he's too friendly. Like you, you sense it. The way he speaks, it's not like somebody else from downstairs who speaks to Anna. It's way, way too friendly. And Bates is not liking it. And when she asks Anna to help him clean a shirt. But the issue is that Anna, she senses that Bates doesn't like him. But it annoys her because it feels like, you know, he's not saying you should not be nice to him because I don't like him. But the way he acts, it annoys her. And it's a way like the more you're going to be mad at him or uh, upset because he's nice to me or I'm nice to him, the more I am going to be nice to him. I don't know if he feels like that, but it almost feels like that, you know, and because she thinks like, you know, he's just being nice and she doesn't like the way he acts. And so she <laughs> does the exact opposite. And so then they play racing demons. There's a lot of shouting and Bates, he's annoyed at first. But then when Mrs. Papmore is taken ill, he's very, very upset, even angry. And he takes his anger a bit on Anna. Like, you know, he stops the game saying that uh, Mrs. Patmore has been taken ill. Uh, so this, you know, the noise that they make is inappropriate. And so Anna, she speaks with him and says, why are you being like that? Like, why are you upset with me? So she's a bit upset with him. And then, you know, you have Green. He just, every time they're together, he has to be there and so then she thanks him because he was terrific and uh, he was nice and stuff it's more of a way to prove a point to Bates because she is a bit annoyed at him at that moment because he she thinks he doesn't like Green for no reason and so she's like he was nice and then she thanks him but it's strange that every time they're together Green is always there and because he annoys Bates Bates acts in a way that annoys Anna so what he sees where he stands, no, he's uh, an asshole. But in his mind, he feels like they're not happily married. You know what I mean? That is not an excuse for what's going to happen. Absolutely not. But you realize that he's always there when there's something, like when he's just annoyed a bit with his reaction or something like that. And so it's the concert. And Anna, she has a headache. So she goes downstairs when the song, between the two songs, she goes downstairs to take a powder for her head. When she's downstairs, Green is there and he has like a flask of, uh, I don't know, something stronger, whiskey, something like that. She doesn't want it, obviously. And then the chat, but like in a nice way, you know, he makes fun of Nelly Melba saying that she's like shrieking like a cow. I don't know, something like that. And she says, well, that's not nice. I mean, she, I think she has a beautiful voice and she wants to go back upstairs. And he is preventing her from going back upstairs. Like he's literally in the middle of the of the way. And at first she says, like, let me pass. Like, you know, at first she's a bit, she's still a bit like a music. And that's not funny, but like, let me pass. And then he says, well, you don't tell me that this man keeps you happy. And it's like, <laughs> and that isn't when she starts getting angry. Like, <laughs> you don't insult my husband. And he says, yes, making me very happy. So obviously that's not what he wanted to hear. And then he kisses her and she tries to repel him. And then he slaps her. And that's when the parallel editing Starts. And so you have Anna being assorted downstairs. You have the concert upstairs. So see everyone entering the concert and being really moved by what is happening. But at the same time, you have Green assorting Anna downstairs. The contrast is absolutely awful because after the scene where he slaps her, you see that he is leading her to, I think it's like the boot room. It's where they clean like the boots. And then we do not see him rape her, but like we understood the thing. 
but which is I'm not gonna say it's worse than actually seeing him I have to say when in movies or in shows you have graphic scenes of rape it always irritates me because it's so triggering first the whole rape subject is very triggering but like when in shows they actually show it like it depends on the, the context obviously but sometimes I'm like can't we avoid it to graphically show something so traumatizing when what they did at downturn you do not see where well, you see begging like I said you see him slap her like it's oh it's awful because you're behind your screen and you just want to go and scream and help her because she's screaming but nobody hears anything because upstairs, you know, there's the concert. But then you see just the corridor empty and you hear her scream. You understood exactly what is happening, but you don't have to see it. This is actually traumatizing enough. Like this scene is just awful because then you have this parallel editing, you know, that upstairs they can't hear a thing because of the concert. And it is awful so like i said um just this scene with you know the empty corridor and her screams is traumatizing enough so yeah and actually you know when that's happening there's a moment bates he's wondering what she's doing and basically when perhaps she has fallen asleep and miss you says well she won't you know um have some sleep up here and it's awful because you you know exactly what happened like she's definitely not sleeping when the concert is over, you see Green coming back at his place, you know, putting his tie back and his jacket, and you are so angry. And Mrs. Hughes, you see that she saw that. She saw that he came back. I don't know if she realized that he left, but she saw that he came back. And before talking about the very end, I am very mad at this parallel editing. Obviously, for like dramatic reason or for like it's where well, it's very dramatic everything that happens but i am it works like for the beginning of tension you as a spectator you like you dra- you are going nuts because you just want to scream and say can someone go downstairs can someone just stop singing can someone do something but i'm really upset because the, the two scenes are so completely different i would say it's a bit like but it's not exactly like but like just in the godfather it's one of the most like famous parallel editing ever it's a scene when so you have a wedding no it's not a wedding it's um christening i think i don't really remember i think it's a christening anyway so something very you know like sacred and um it's in the church and on the, at the same time you have people killing other people this is very like not very detailed but like that that's what happens but this is worse like the paris like on one side, you have a singer singing to love and to lovers, having Cora and Robert being really cute because they like love each other. Mary being really moved because, you know, to love and to lovers and all the people being really moved by something so like almost pure, you know, and beautiful. At the same time, you have Green raping Anna. Like, why? Julian, why? I hate that storyline. I even hate what's going to come out of that even more not just the fact that she was raped but more what is happening after because this is gonna bring so much shit to Anna and Bates like I just don't like it but why Anna Anna her only crime is to be a nice person and now the only thing you can think is that maybe or maybe that she can think is maybe I was too nice to the guy you know what I mean rape victim usually they blame themselves and thanks to the society they blame themselves because society blame them as well <laughs> because the society is shit 
But Bates in the beginning, he didn't like the guy. And she was like, he's just being nice. And I just, all I can think is her thinking, maybe if I listened to him, if I wasn't too nice to him, that wouldn't have happened. When it's not her fault because her only crime is that she was nice. And he just, I am so mad. And I think this is, I mean, Sybil's death was really traumatizing. I'm still not over it. But this is even more traumatizing. And obviously, I mean, you won't say, obviously, they make something like that happen to someone as nice as Anna because she's that nice. And so we all, we will all be on her side because I don't think there's one person that don't like Anna. Like, it's not, I don't think it's possible. If you don't like Anna, like, you cannot like Bates, but you can't just not like Anna. Like, is that possible? I don't think it is. I don't know. It's just, yeah, let's just end so the episode because then Mrs. Hsu, she comes downstairs and she comes to her sitting room and Anna is there. And she's in distress, obviously. But Mrs. Hughes, she's so shocked. And you see in her eyes that she understood exactly what happened. You see that she wants to help, but you, there's a way of, I want to help you, but I don't know how. And so Anna, she says, but please just, you know, look after Lady Mary because I can't. And at first, Mrs. Hughes says, we need to tell someone. And Anna says, no. And then we can't say Mr. Bates because he would want to find the man who did that and he would kill him and he would be hanged. And I can't have that. The first person she thinks in all this, it's her husband and she's just so afraid that he will like get revenge and that he might get arrested and be hanged, that she doesn't want to say that to him first because she's afraid that he's going to die. And that makes me even more mad at Julian for for putting Anna through that. But then so, oh God, I'm really sorry. I'm trying not to cry right now. Um, But then Mrs. Hughes, so she helps her in. She promised Anna that she would not say a word to anyone. And so she said that she would like find her address and, you know, try to make her look presentable in a way. And when she leaves uh, Mrs. Hughes' sitting room, Bates is here and he sees that she's not well. I mean, she has uh, bruises on her face. Like he said, what happened to her? So she tries to find an excuse, but you see the way she says it. Like you see that she... For him, it looks like she acts strange. And you see how she's in distress. I mean, she is shocked. She's traumatized. Like, obviously, she can't act. She can't act normal. Like, it's not possible. And then, because he has to be there, this bastard has to be there. He then thanks them because his stay was so nice. They make it so nice. But it's obviously, he's annoyed by him because he doesn't like him. So he said goodnight. But Anna, you see that it costs her a lot to say goodnight to him, but she feels like I have to or it would be suspicious. But everything that just happened in that minute is already too suspicious for Bates. And he just wants to touch her and she can't let him touch her. And and you see he's worried to what happened. So I just thought, you know, like walk on my own. And you see he doesn't understand. You see his face, how hurt he is. And then you see like her outside walking on her own and crying and him calling after her, like literally it's like what happened and it just it's not even heartbreaking <laughs> i don't even have a word to describe it it's like well i'm wretched i'm crushed i'm heartbroken i'm crumpled of piece of paper like i don't know <laughs> really it's awful the only thing good that come out of it is joanne's performance like joanne forget so plays anna she is like i don't even have words she won actually. Oh, I'm, I can't remember which 
awards she won for her performances, but like she deserved it. But it's just, I feel like it's the only good thing that came out of it, honestly. Because I feel we're all shocked and traumatized by that. And we don't really understand why. I don't understand why. I mean, obviously it's for dramatic reasons. I mean, it's a show. We have to have like storylines and stuff. But I mean, Anna, she's just so sweet. Like, yeah, I think that's the thing. Maybe that's why everyone is so moved by that because everyone likes her. But at the same time, you're like, her only crime is to be nice. So, yeah. And well, obviously, uh, my music of the day had to be about that. It's a song from Avril Lavigne and it's about her fight with Lyme disease. But it's the feeling that the chorus give me that I feel is what Anna is going through right now. So, yeah. So that was Head Above Water by Avril Lavigne and it's short but it was really like the chorus like I feel like it's re- exactly what Anna feels at that moment because she doesn't want anyone to see what happened to her especially not her husband which is very hard to hide something like that from someone that knows you so well and that you live with and I feel like it's just like that you know like God keep my head above water like I can't just drown right now because I need like I need to stay strong like to try to live I don't know there was something like that I don't know um yeah that's the end I'm sorry to end this on something so horrid but I couldn't like start with it and then chat about things that made me laugh because I don't know and this is how the episode ends so yeah and well you know what? Um, Grin is the character I hate the most in Downton Abbey, followed really closely by Edna. They're quite a pair, I think, the two of them, and they don't deserve good things, and I hate them, and they should burn in hell. That's it. I said it. I would love to hear your thoughts about this story, and that's just the beginning of this new storyline for Anna, her being a victim, and her relationship with Bates, how this is going to alter their relationship. I'm really interested in your thoughts and opinions about that. Did you, well, it's really hard to, did you like that storyline? Because I don't think anyone likes a storyline about rape. But did you thought it was interesting? Or do you thought it was like not needed? Or do you thought it was like too much? Like, um, I think um, I don't like it, but I think it's everything that comes out of it. I just like it even less, like, well, I'm not going to say it now because we're going to see it, but I don't know. I'm really pissed because I haven't seen an interview or read something about Julian talking about this storyline, saying why he wanted to do that. I don't know if you maybe read or saw something one day, if you like saw something about it. I would really love it if you like could send it to me. Yeah, somewhere on social media because I'm really interested to hear what he has to say. But yeah, that's the end of this episode. Even if it ended in a horrendous way, I hope you enjoyed it. And I still hope you are well after that. Um, yeah. So if you want to talk about anything, just send me a message somewhere. 
and I will see you next Sunday. Hopefully again it's Sunday. Talk about episode four of season four of Downton Abbey. And until then, stay safe, take care of yourself, and don't forget. Vive la différence! Uh-huh.